from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that will gladly pretend everything is all right while the world burns around you. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you brazen beast known primarily for your otherworldly musk. How you holding up? You know, I'm alive, I, as in I have a pulse, but besides that, Everything kind of hurts. It's you know, it's been that kind of week. Feels like another shutdown's coming, and just trying to fill the hours between crying and sleeping. No, oh, that's all you can do now. There's basically coffee hour and wine hour, or alcohol hour now. And uh, yeah, I just bide the time between uh, drinking coffee and when I can start drinking alcohol. And uh, you know, a lot of crying into dish rags. I try to spice it up sometimes and flip those around. You know, <laughs> start the day off with alcohol hour and end it with coffee hour. There you go. Yes. 6 p.m. You're slamming racks of coffee before bed. That's living on the wild side. 6 a.m. I'm popping a natty light. It's like, all right, time to get the day started again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just telling your boss, like, look, I needed to mix it up. You understand. It's like my my whole football season has been just like one warm skunked beer. So I thought I might as well drink one, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That adds up. I respect the hell out of your game, sir. <laughs> All right. Get that. back out there. Send me some TPS reports. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if you want, uh, you know, a little joy in your life and I do, we should start Michigan basketball, which I think we're going to have to lean more and more into if we want to keep our sanity here, because, uh, you know, we're going to have to talk football at some point. I, I just don't know if I have it in me. I don't know if I have the willpower. I've already been sobbing into this same dish rag. It's time for me to to launder and get a new one. I've hidden all sharp objects in my house, so we're already to that point. But, yeah, basketball is here. Team's undefeated. It's been some struggles, been some successes within these games. But all in all, compared to football, we're a basketball school now. <laughs> we are a basketball school, sitting at 2-0 and after an overtime victory over Oakland, who a lot of people, I mean, we actually fell out of the rankings after that one. We're technically at number 26 now, which I think is ludicrous because they, uh, they, they the teams that didn't play, they held serve, but and we did play and win, and they moved us down. That's dumb. Um, I get Oakland hasn't been a good program up to this point in this season they had some bad losses but they played a tough schedule xavier's a good basketball team and they have been seriously hit by covid implications and and lack of practice and stuff we said at the beginning of the season this oakland team would be a challenge for them and it was and it was a good game and it's good for this michigan team to be tested early absolutely and it's it is stupid and silly the team dropped in rankings but basketball rankings are so flexible and they can go up and down and Losses obviously don't carry the same weight as football, and rankings don't matter all that much come, you know, postseason tournament time and uh, NCAA tournament seeding. But it's good for Michigan to struggle early and still find the way to win. Because I feel like the beginning of last year, I may be remembering wrong, but Michigan handled business like pretty thoroughly. You didn't really get pushed into adversity until later December, January, especially. But it's good to have the struggle now, especially when the team's not firing on all cylinders and they're still finding a way to win. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And we did start out hot last year where there was the uh, Atlantic City tournament that we ended up winning. And yeah, then there was a little bit of a lull after that. And then we lost the season right as we were starting to turn things around. So this season, um, it's a different roster, especially uh, at the guard position with Xavier Simpson, a.k.a. Jeff Jackson, <laughs> no longer being there. And uh, that really showed in this game, the turnovers in the first half were uh, I hadn't really seen anything like that. I saw a stat that in the first half, they turned the ball over on, I think it was 40% of their possessions were ended in turnovers in the first half. That's obviously yeah. not sustainable. 
It's, it's not what you want. It's really hard to score when you don't have the basketball. I'm breaking ground here. <laughs> that is groundbreaking basketball analysis. They don't call him the best color man in sports for nothing, folks. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Guys, hold on to the ball. It's a lot easier to score when you possess it. My God, you should be coaching somewhere. Someone <laughs> needs to hear your philosophies, sir. They could hire me somewhere right now. What's UTEP doing? <laughs> <laughs> you want to coach a football team instead? I, what is that, Texas El Paso, the Miners? There you go. Yeah, they've they they had basketball national championship. I don't recall that. They were Texas Western first team to start five black players. There's your history lesson, sir. Thanks. <laughs> I needed that. But back to the Michigan basketball team. The uh, the turnovers and the struggle in the first half to me aren't as big an issue as some people made them out to be. Uh, when you lose your point guard and like. I mean, how long was Simpson there? He was the starter for like three years. At least since the Clinton administration. Yeah, I believe since the Clinton administration. Yeah, since like, you know, the 90s. And uh, so, I mean, naturally, you're going to have some drop off when you you move on from him. Uh, Mike Smith looks like your best offensive point guard. Eli Brooks like looks like your best defensive point guard. Zeb Jackson from my hometown, who I'm super high on. He's going to need a minute. So a little shaky at the guard position, but I still like what we have there. It's going to take time, especially breaking in new players with the chemistry and everything else. Zeb Jackson's going to be a player because no one named Zeb can't not succeed. It's just it's somewhere in the Constitution. Yeah. But like, it's just going to take time. And turnovers, as long as they you know slowly get better with that, it's okay. It's the second game of the season. People are acting like the Big Ten tournament starts next week. No, we've got a long way to go, and these guys are going to continue to gel. I like what Mike Smith brings. I mean, he's a freaking lightning bolt on the court. And uh, Sean Day Brown, a rough game for Sean Day Brown, but I still like the idea of bringing in that microwave scorer that can just drop 22 on you all from behind the arc on any given night. (laughs) He had a rough day. One of 10. Yeah, it's a little rough. One of 10. That's just from three-point land, too. (laughs) Yeah, not, Not his best. No, not his best, but he's like a microwave scorer. He's like the uh, the Dion Waiters of this team, you know. He's not going to be think. on every night, but, I mean, he's going to come in and keep jacking them up. He's the kind of player that when the other team, like everybody else on the team is struggling, he's going to come in, drop 27 out of nowhere, and win a game against Northwestern. I guarantee he's going to. He's the type of player that can do that. So it was an off night for him, and honestly another kind of off night for Franz Wagner, at least offensively. I think he's a little hobbled still by it looks like an ankle. Um, but what I like about Franz Wagner is if he's not getting you those offensive points, he's still locked in on defense, grabbed 13 boards in this, looked like a terrific, terrific on-ball defender with his size, his ability to switch. I mean, he can probably guard all five. Uh, point guard might give him some trouble, but he, he's, I mean, he's legit, and uh, he'll work through those offensive issues. I'm not worried about Franz. That's That was one of my biggest takeaways from this game is a player of his caliber okay, I'm, I'm not getting it done offensively tonight. How can I impact this team and help my team win? And that was by hitting the glass and defending. And yeah, man, I'm with you. He took over, has a lot of positional versatility, and was just cleaning up the boards. You have to love seeing that from leaders and stars on the team such as himself. Yeah, I think he's still, I mean, Isaiah Livers made a case for it for being the best player, but between those two, you've got two future NBA guys. And uh, I, I still think Franz a little bit more what he brings with his defensive upside and his shot will start falling. I have no doubt about that. I mean, the dude, his stroke looks pretty pure, uh, but in this game, it was livers. And, uh, you know, a lot was made during the broadcast and afterwards about him and Juwan Howard John at each other. But he came out after that and dropped 16 points, led us to a victory, was locked in in overtime. 
So I don't think it's as big a deal. We were talking about this off air. Basketball and football are two different sports. Sometimes you get to your guys in different ways and you just need to challenge your guys, especially a guy that started in a national championship game. Yeah, and maybe Jawan Howard knows how to motivate these players that he sees every day for nine, ten hours a day better than we do. I mean, exactly. obviously it worked. Yeah, Isaiah Livers led the team out in the second half out of the tunnel. They said had added 16 points, forced overtime, won the game. And even afterwards, like, this is stupid. Like, it's just how it is. Emotions run high. It's heated. It's intense. Like, it's the way it is. And they communicate well, and they seem to, like, have a great relationship. And I didn't think anything in the moment about it, and I think even less about it now. Yeah, I totally bought what they were both saying. They both kind of just laughed it off. Like, that's just the way it goes. I mean, sometimes we'll jaw at each other in practice. Remember when Jim Harbaugh used to jaw at people? Remember those days, how nice that was? I, I'd, I, I'd love to get some of that back on the football field. I remember. I remember. I remember. remember. Uh, just like, I mean, you'd even see Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich yelling at each other. Tim Tim Duncan doesn't yell at anything. But they no. would just, you know, it's, it's, it's an emotional game. Things happen. It's okay. Yeah, Tim Duncan has the emotion of a potato, but yet he'll still he'll still find it in the game. And you want to see that. I mean, it's it's sports, man. It's that uh, gets the competitive juices flowing. That's that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, And it would be a lot different if Livers was all pouty about it and got upset and played awful and then came out and threw Howard under the bus after the game. But it didn't. No, no. He's a team captain and I expect him to be. I mean, he's he's that dude for us this year. He's one of those dudes because I think this team's got a few few dudes on him. Brandon Johns, I love Brandon Johns' game. He just comes off the the bench and he's a freaking bulldog. Like that's how I love power forwards to play to be in there muscling, getting offensive boards, providing that interior presence, wearing guys down on the block. Love Brandon Johns' game. I think he's going to be a stud. Yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in Terrence Williams. I like the way that kid's playing this season. Yeah, the junkyard I mean, dog. Yeah, coming off the bench, and we're saving the best for last with him and uh, Dickinson, guys that played together at the prep level. Um, they they had great chemistry, and these dudes are bringing something. Terrence Williams, he's raw. Um, he's got a ways to go for sure. Um, Zeb Jackson's got a further to go. But Terrence Williams, I mean, you see it. You see the tools. I mean, he's big. He's smart. Uh, he missed those clutch free throws in this game, um, you know, that probably could have put it, put it away. And you could tell he was beating himself up, but he was the last guy in the gym shooting after the game. Love that mentality. Dude, uh, Howard came out today and just praised his intangibles, high IQ, all this energy he brings. It feels like Howard has, I mean, although I mean, he's racking up the five stars, has still recruited very deliberately with high character, high energy type of guys that can start or come off the bench. And it's like, Man, it's really nice to see a sports team at Michigan have depth behind other things in case some players aren't playing up to par instead of just playing walk-ons. It's great, yeah, because if Fogner's having an off game, you bring in Terrence Williams, Brandon Johns off the bench, Shonda Brown, who I think will be a player for us despite that game. I mean, it is it is an interesting team. It's a lot different than the teams that we've covered in the past. And, I mean, I think it just goes to show the new era that's taking over at Michigan. And um, we, we cannot possibly move on without talking about the player of the game, freshman Hunter Dickinson, off to one of the best starts for a freshman. I mean, he's uh, in the last decade, he's up there with your Nick Stauskas's, Tim Hardaway's, Trey Burke's, Glenn Robinson's for best start through a freshman. Seven of nine for 19 points, um, almost all entirely in the second half. Um, four assists, a steal. I mean, the dude was all over the place, and when we couldn't figure out their zone, they just they ran the same play Dickinson like the entire second half, and they, they had no answer for him. He is an interior presence we have just not had 
since uh, Mitch McGarry. A complete game changer, especially breaking down the zone and working the middle of the defense to open it up for other players. We talked about it from day one. He could end up being the most impactful player this season. Like kind of that X factor where everything's going to run through him and needs to run through him. It's like you said, at that size, his ability to break down defense, move the ball, like I'm I'm shocked at how good he is this fast. Yeah, I didn't write this stat down, and, I, and I'm probably going to get it incorrect, but Austin Davis, the starting center, has played 29 minutes or something like that. Dickinson's played like 30 minutes. Uh, Austin Davis, in his 29 minutes, is like plus one, and Hunter Dickinson is like plus 24. So needless to say, Dickinson's going to start getting some more run. He's probably going to start, I mean, start the game moving forward, I would imagine, with how impactful he's been off the bench. I feel like it has to be the move at this point. Get that kid in there, get him as many touches as possible. Yeah, he's that good. He's that good. So uh, any other thoughts about this uh, this win over Oakland? We've got Ball State. Um, that will be tomorrow night. Um, we we're recording on a Tuesday this week, so uh, we'll not have the Ball State coverage in this one. But um, it was a good win against Oakland. I don't care that it was a struggle. Oakland's well coached. I'd rather struggle at this point in the season than two months from now. Exactly. They'll be fine come tournament time. Uh, before we get into football, want to touch on our new sponsor, Homefield, premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indy. Uh, still rocking my hoodie, incredibly comfortable. This is what I wear in the cold Denver nights. Keeps me nice and warm and you know, reminds me of a time when Michigan was uh, was a competent football program. Uh, they've already launched their new Michigan lines. Um, dig through the archives, find the unique logos. Get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right. So, uh, you know, we, we talked about the ups, the highs of the, of the Michigan basketball team. We have to touch on this Penn State loss. I don't know how much you have left in your tank to even talk about the on-field product right now as far as this football team. Oh, big exhale. Big exhale. My friend... We're not even at bottom yet. Bottom's going to come in two weeks. But this was awful. This team, I have, the team was flat again. There was no momentum from the Rutgers game. There's dark black spots all over both sides of the ball. There's a million coaching things we can talk about. But as Urban Meyer said on, a few weeks ago, it all starts at the top. It all, all falls on Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, Urban Meyer had a pretty damning account of the program. And, <clears throat> I mean, let's be honest, he's no friend to the program. Urban Meyer is uh, very anti-Michigan, but he also is a great color guy. And everything that he says is pretty on point and rings true with what we were saying. If you're having issues with personnel to where you don't have players that can come in and reliably play when you've got a few guys out, that's on recruiting and development. We haven't even lost a defensive tackle yet. I mean, so you can't even lean on COVID or transfers or someone sitting out at that position. So so you can't even take that excuse there. And Urban Meyer is right, which I hate to say that sentence. It does start at the top. And I, I just don't know at this point with him being where he's at on the contract, how you don't decide to, to move on after this year. It's going to be so hard to fix this and get people excited again to play for this coach when he doesn't look like he even wants to be there anymore. There was a report that after AJ Henning made that spectacular catch, he had to get players up off the bench to cheer for him because they were sitting down disinterested in the game. 
he <laughs> refuted that report. He said that didn't happen, and who knows whether that's the case. But, I mean, it may as well be the case. He's also talked about how good the process is, and they're going to focus on that. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. Oh, you want to talk about that? All right, so Jim Harbaugh came out at the press conference, and I get it. Everyone's frustrated. They hear all the outside noise. But he said some people outside of the program are results-oriented and don't care about the process. L- listen, Jim. Jim, I don't want to go on a rant here, Here. (laughs) but Jim, all right. So you, you want to use that process. No one wants to see how the sausage is made. They just want the sausage. All right. But if the sausage is rancid and filled with, you know, rat meat, nobody is going to want to consume that product. So the process does not matter if the product is trash. And of course we care about the results. This is a sports program. If we wanted someone that was going to come in and get a high graduation rate, we'd just go hire some baller from professor from Harvard and be like, yeah, we don't really care what you do on the football field. Get these kids a good education. And we'll go, you know, we'll go two and nine every year, baby. No problem. <laughs> Probably save ourselves $8 million, $6.5 million. You get paid $7.5 million a year to win football games. And yes, develop these kids and get them success. That is all part of it. And we care about that for sure. But at the end of the day, you're a football coach. That's what you're getting paid seven and a half million dollars for. Of course, we care about wins and losses. I'm with you 110 percent. I'm sorry we care about the product on the field. I mean, I'm sure practice is great. Hell, I'd love to be there on a nice Wednesday afternoon, play a little catch, hang out with the boys, you know, enjoy our time. But if you're not winning on Saturday, nobody cares. Like, you know, what people don't say like, man, Alabama's practices are so much fun. I don't care if they win games. No. No, it's because they win games. That's all that matters. Winning fixes everything. Look at Iowa. All the reports about you know bullying, uh, perceived racism, all the allegations they face this offseason, nobody cares anymore because they're winning football games. Winning is literally all that matters. There have been some scumbag head coaches. Hugh Freeze is going to get another Power 5 job coaching gig next year. But winning, that's what matters. The process, out of my face. That was deflection and just hiding behind that coward's answer because – he has no fix for this team because they gave up on him. Yeah, I, I don't know how you can come out with that answer and try and argue that the process doesn't matter. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I mean, everything you said, I totally agree with as well. I mean, they almost arrested the entire Baylor football program. They almost sent the whole athletic department to Australia. But Baylor came back under Matt Rule and yeah. everyone forgot about all of it. I mean. And it's unfortunate that that's the case, that people don't be like, well, you know, Michigan's having a rough year, but look at their graduation rate. But that's just the world we live in. You know, that is part of it. Yes, for sure. And you want all these kids to go on and have success. But I I just don't get it. And I I don't know how you get that mojo back. So, I mean, I want to go back to the Harbaugh that was on WWE Raw, you know, on his night off and like. I mean, that was our best. That was the best Harbaugh coaching Brady hoax guys and getting the most out of other guys when he seemed to really care about this sport. But I don't know that he does anymore or he's the type of guy that just wears out his welcome. It happened. It happened in San Francisco and it's happening here at Michigan. Maybe he's a four year guy and he's got to move on. He's uh, you know, he's a gun for hire. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. I mean, it seems maybe the Chicago Bears are next. They might need somebody if they get rid of Nagy. But yeah, missed the hardball that was having National Signing Day with Derek Jeter, Migos, and Ric Flair. Like, this guy just ripping his hat off, screaming at everybody. I mean, completely maximizing every player, talking about physicality, competing. Every day we're competing. Like, we we didn't compete with a winless team. We were their first win. And until Michigan State beat Northwestern, we were Michigan State's 
and Penn State's only win on the season. And Michigan State finds a way. I mean, they're dealing with such a talent deficit there right now, and they're finding ways to get wins. They're, they've tied us for wins. Maryland has played two less games than us, and they've tied us for wins. And we don't even know if that game's going to happen. We'll touch on that in the second half. But uh, do you want to talk about any of the X's and O's from this game? We haven't even talked about what happened in this game at all. And <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me to talk about it. After Cade McNamara clearly, clearly injured his shoulder there, uh, wasn't the same player after that. I knew we didn't have the juice to mount a comeback. They at least rode Haskins a little more. Nice to see them try and get the ball to A.J. Henning. But that just makes me more mad because we've got so many weapons and we can't utilize them. This team has so much talent. The offensive line played decent, but all of their technique was awful, especially at the goal line. God bless Hassan Haskins. He's doing yeah. so much with so little. Like, Cade McNamara's arm is hanging at his side. He couldn't undo his chin strap at one point with that arm. Like, And that was our best quarterback option because Joe Milton can't read a defense. No, he is by far still our best quarterback option. And, yeah, the uh, the offensive line really struggled on third and fourth and short. I mean, so much of this game came down to us not being able to get one yard when we needed one yard, and that was never a problem. Khalid Hill would never dream of being stopped when you need one yard, and that that team with a lesser offensive line. Well, this offensive line is is pretty banged up, but still, I mean, it's more talented as far as recruiting talent. Yeah, that's 16 offensive line. I mean, piece here, piece there was not good, but you did at least have Mason Cole around. Yeah, and Brad Bredesen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You had a few guys in there that you could count on. And now, uh, I mean, with injuries, Stuber, Zach Zinter's, I think, going to be a player for us, as we mentioned last week. But it's it, it's Hassan Haskins, and it's a few guys on offense that still care. And you brought Quiddy Pay back. And to be fair, Jamon Green played much better. I thought Jamon Green actually had a serviceable game. Dax Hill played better. but And the defense overall played better. I think this was, other than Minnesota, the second-best game for the defense. Yeah, they they would actually made they made some timely stops, got the ball back to the offense, three and out, and then they're back on the field again. So this one was as you know as rough as it was. The defense wasn't completely to blame. They held up at times, gave up at other times, but at least there was a little bit of a fight from them, a little stinginess we hadn't seen in a few weeks. So yeah, sadly, giving up four hundred and twenty some yards was the second best game this defense played. But when you needed to stop, they drove, what was it, 80 yards right down the field. No problem. So Just like Rutgers, they needed to tie the game just right down the field. Yeah, just no juice. No juice whatsoever. It was a winnable game, and uh, you know you let it slip through your fingers, and now you might not win another game. And I don't know, brother. I, I, I really don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't even know if we're going to get any more games, but let's take a break. When we come back, we're either going to talk about the Maryland game or – sob into a dish towel for 20 minutes i haven't decided yet i'm gonna get a dish towel ready (laughs) we'll be back right after this all right welcome back to out of the blue we uh, have decided not to sob into dish towels and we'll instead discuss state of the michigan football program once again because i just don't know what else to do talking x's and o's in this year kind of seems fruitless I think that the product that we've seen is the product that we're going to continue to get. There's not going to be any drastic changes and no small changes are going to make this team a a winning team. So you could beat Maryland if we even get the game, I guess. We could, you know, I mean, if we don't play, at least we won't lose. Right. That's uh, (laughs) 
my God, that's good analysis. <laughs> that's cool. It's a dark world we live in. Hey, if we don't play the rest of the season, it won't go down as a loss. Did you, uh, I think you maybe touched on it there in the first half, but we didn't really get into it, that Kirk Herbstreet just said tonight that he thinks, and he hasn't heard this from anyone, Michigan might just wave the white flag and not play Ohio State just to avoid an embarrassment. And we joked about that, but to say that in his position without like anybody believing that or having heard that from anyone is pretty irresponsible. Yeah, that is wild speculation, and that's our job, first off. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't step on our toes here. Um, no matter what you think about Jim Harbaugh, like what he's done or where he's fallen from or anything else, Jim Harbaugh's not going to voluntarily just throw in the towel against Ohio State. The athletic department's not going to let this team just say, ah, we're not going to play. It's No, no, no. That is egregious. That is irresponsible. That is stupid. And anybody that puts stock into it is putting stock into a guy that also said, Les Miles, sharpie him in for next Michigan head coach. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Kirk Herbstreit, I like more than I should as an Ohio State guy. He really tries to not be a homer. And I've met him once, and he seemed like a decent dude. And, I mean, I, I do. I, I, I like him as a color commentary guy. But at the end of the day, he is an Ohio State fan. And to say something like that, it's completely baseless. And these dudes are competitors. I can't imagine that you've got a huge, huge culture problem, problem if the whole football team wants to wave the white flag before the biggest rivalry game in sports. Yeah, if they're just going to wave the white flag, just cancel the program. What's the point? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's absolutely against everything that athletic competition stands for. So, no, that's stupid. It's not going to happen. It was, as you said, it was just an irresponsible thing to say, especially from somebody whom I also respect and think is very good at his job. But this was just a stupid statement. He is. Yeah, I think that he is really good at his job, but I don't buy it. And I take more um, more credence into what I put more credence into what Urban Meyer said about the program and guys like Brian Greasy who are now coming out vocally and saying that enough is enough. And Charles Woodson and Desmond Howard have Desmond Howard's been a little bit better. Charles Woodson has been kind of, you know, fed up now for a while. And I mean, they, they kind of echo the sen sentiments of the rest of the fan base at this point. And I think it's good that they're speaking out because Michigan's the type of place where they care so much about the process, how the sausage is made that they might sit around and give Jim Harbaugh a decade just because he's Jim Harbaugh. They, they are the type of program that needs that kick in the ass sometimes. Yeah, and even like Desmond Howard has become like, turned worse and worse, and Brian Greasy publicly called for Jim Harbaugh's job, who'd been one of the staunch defenders for the longest time. So powerful alumni are getting upset. So that's the beginning of the changing of the guard, and – you touched on it earlier this season. If fans were in attendance and attendance was dropping dramatically like it would be, this would be a no-brainer because of the lost revenue. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, I know not everybody's an NBA fan. I'm an NBA fan, and we were kind of talking about it with a buddy of mine that you can kind of tank in the NBA this upcoming year because there's going to be no nobody in the stands. So it won't matter if you're a great team or a poor team. You kind of get a freebie there. But that doesn't work in college football because you'll lose a whole recruiting class. Kids aren't going to want to go there. You're not getting the number one draft pick. You know, we don't get to bring in, you know, whoever next year's great recruit is. I mean, we already got him committed. He's J.J. McCarthy. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about him. But that's not how it works. So there is no upside to just having a down year. And bringing in Jim Harbaugh on a one-year deal, which is what he's on right now. He's got one, one, one year left on his deal would be dangerously irresponsible to go into next season like that. So you're basically put into a position where you need to extend him now 
or at the end of this season or fire him at the end of this season. I mean, you've got to make a move at the end of this season. You cannot go into next year with him on a one-year prove-it deal. No, it's. I think it's going to be a mutual parting of the ways because maybe they can reach a settlement deal, both sides save face, move on, and that's that. I don't think they're going to up and fire him. I think he's more aware of what's going on than that. And I, I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the quote-unquote mutual parting of the ways, and Michigan moves on, and hopefully, hopefully, they move on to Matt Campbell. That's starting to be the consensus here. Um, this is a guy I uh, used to have a roommate like three years ago. We were talking about Matt Campbell as an eventual Michigan guy. But I was saying, you know, in 10 years when Harbaugh maybe wants uh, a change after his second national title, and I was living in fantasy land back then, but Matt Campbell is a guy that coached at Toledo, one of my many alma maters, and I've had my eye on him forever. I wasn't necessarily sold because I didn't quite like his offense early on, but now the dude's got 1,000-yard running backs every year. He's putting tight ends into the NFL out of nowhere. Brock Purdy is going to the NFL. And, I mean, those are positions that we've really struggled with at Michigan. So I think Matt Campbell has more than proven it. I mean, wins over two wins over Oklahoma, just beat Texas, ranked Texas last week. And he's on average, I'm going to get this number wrong. This isn't verbatim, but I believe he's around mid forties for aggregate talent level based on like two, four, seven sports. That's what he's doing with like a mid forties level program. You know, this is a Michigan's a top 10 program. Imagine what you could do with those recruits. Yeah. Not to mention the facilities he's going to have at Michigan, all everything at his disposal there. He's already recruiting in big 10 country. So he knows the area well, but instead of saying, Hey, let's go to Ames and compete for fourth in the big 12, you can go to Michigan and say, let's compete for first and go to the playoff. Yep, absolutely. And you recruited in Toledo, which is right there in that Detroit area. So you can bleed over into Michigan. You can go on down into Columbus and areas and try and steal the occasional recruit away from Ohio State. You can get that footprint there. And uh, you've got a, a footprint now in Big 12 country. So you can go down to Texas and get some of those guys. And, you know, it would be dependent on the kind of staff that he could assemble. We all have our thoughts about who that might be and who we'd like to see. He's probably going to want to bring his own guys. I would want to keep maybe Ed Wariner to keep some consistency in the program. Um, if you could keep Gaddis and, and that helps keep McCarthy, I'd be on board with that. But I'd also be fine with moving on to, to something different. But I'm on board with the soup, man. Yeah, he is. Dude, he's from northwestern Ohio, just outside northeastern Ohio, just outside Akron. He was at Bowling Green and Toledo cons consecutively from 2007 to 15. Like, this guy's yeah. born and bred in the area. And then Iowa State's he made a stone's throw away to the West. It's like, oh, man, come on. All aboard, baby. All aboard the Matt Campbell trade. Yeah, yeah. I, I say uh, go ahead and, and ladle me the soup by the bucket full. I, I'm on board with Matt Campbell at this point. Oh, and I got one more good point for you just to push you over the edge. I'm already there, but hit me anyway. Uh, and while he was at Toledo – reportedly passed on a chance to be on Urban Meyer's staff at Ohio State. Give me the smoke. God, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I know for a fact because he did recruit um, in Toledo at the program where I know one of the, the coaches there at a pretty prestigious uh, high school program there. And he said that he kind of holds the Ohio State, the Michigan, and the Notre Dame job in the same esteem, which should be on that dream job type of level. So I, I don't know that he necessarily dislikes Ohio State, but I mean, I like what you're saying right there, that that would kind of lead me to believe Michigan is among his dream jobs. And yeah, 
we can offer you seven and a half million dollars a year, sir. Yeah, yeah, we've got seven and a half million reasons to change your mind if you know you're not maybe feeling quite up to it. So come come on down to Ann Arbor. The weather's nice. He's got to look at that roster, too. I mean, if I were coming in and I'm like, I'm sorry, I get to take over this roster like this should be a top 10 team. Why are they not? Yeah, I'll come in. And all you got to do is like when if you go 500 in your first year, you've improved upon what we saw this year. Yeah, because he's making three and a half million dollars this season. He can more than double his salary. Double it. Come into just a talent laden program where everybody can come back. Thank you, COVID. And <laughs> just take over. Like this team is littered with talent. He's getting, he's maximizing, like you said, 43rd ranked recruiting classes on average. And Michigan's oh got number God. nine coming in next year, not to mention, like I said, the young talent on this team, especially on the offensive line. Like, Come on, like just just look at it. I mean, this is this is first grade SpongeBob. Come on, <laughs> I think it's a pretty obvious move, and you grab them while you can because I mean, some years there's just not obvious candidates, and even when there are obvious candidates, see Herman comma Tom, they don't work out. Frost comma Scott. Yep. Just I mean, so you don't get these like guys that look like home run hires every year, and. um you know, Tom Herman and Scott Frost both were playing at lower lower tier programs, but this is a power five program playing against Big 12 opponents. He beat Oklahoma twice teams that were fielding Heisman Trophy winners, teams that went on to play in the college football playoff and he beat them. You know, he, he does not the, his teams do not flinch at the moment. And that is something that has really, really plagued these Michigan teams under Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and he's gotten better <clears throat> every season. He went three and nine, eight and five, eight and five, seven and six. Now he's seven and two in this yeah. weird, bizarre year. Like he's just getting better and he's doing it at a non-traditional program. You don't think of Iowa State in the same breath as Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. I mean, that would be like doing it. Who's like an equivalent in our conference? Iowa State is like they're below the Indianas of our conference, right? I, I, I think Indiana would be that's a good one. Like you're taking Indiana straight to the top, like right away, or even I, I don't know. I, I would Northwestern, maybe, maybe I mean, it's similar to what Pat Fitzgerald does, but Pat Fitz, Fitzgerald just dropped one to Michigan State, so. Yeah, I mean, just literally elevates them, and you're playing in a conference with TCU, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Kansas State, West Virginia, Texas. Like, yeah, I mean, overall, I would say the pen uh, that uh, the Big Ten's maybe a, a slightly deeper league, but yeah. this year certainly doesn't lend credence to that. I mean, and Oklahoma is a top five program, so year in and year out, year in and year out, and Lincoln Riley is a guy that if we were saying we could get Lincoln Riley, well, fans would probably be doing backflips, but <laughs> he's beaten Lincoln Riley twice, and he's been there what four years? This is year five, I believe so. Yeah, so I mean, two out of two out of five years, that's that's not bad. We, I mean, we would take two out of five years beating Ohio State in a heartbeat, heartbeat. Oh. If, you can, if you can give me four out of ten years, we're beating Ohio State. That's the rivalry renewed right there. Yeah, very happy with that. You know, I'd be yeah, very, very content with that. Yeah, I mean, I'll take one in ten years at this point. But yeah, so I mean, look, uh, let's go ahead and just put it out there. If we haven't already, we're making it public. We are on board the soup man train. It is, and one thing to this season that's been impressive is they lost their first game of the year to number twenty three ranked just. Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, and they lost by a few. I mean, they lost 31 14, didn't look good. 
and then they beat TCU, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, battle Oklahoma State, who was ranked number six, lose by three, and then reel off four more wins, including at Texas, smoking Kansas State 45 to nothing. Like, they're not consistent failures. That's, all right, we drop a game, here we go. We pick it right back up. There's none of the lingering effects from a game you lose, you're supposed to win, losing a tough one. All we've seen from Michigan, especially when you lose to Ohio State, is most of the time you go struggle in a bowl game. This year, one bad thing goes wrong. Next thing you know, you lose three games in a row. He instills resilience in his programs, and that's something this team needs. Absolutely, and um, th- that's a good point. I wanted to touch on that while we're just uh, ranting for the second half of this podcast, is that we made the point a few weeks ago, the the Brian Kelly point, we called it, that of why you might want to keep Jim Harbaugh when in year six, I believe it was, or year five they went four and seven. Four and eight, yeah four and eight and then you bring them back the next year and they go they get 10 wins and then now they've had you know two you're probably looking at two appearances in the college football playoff after that uh but what doesn't jive well with the brian kelly example is the finishing of the season the zero bowl wins the absolute collapse after the big defeat and i think you brought up a great point there is that you lose to like a louisiana which i won't even necessarily say is a game you're supposed to win you were probably favored on paper but talent wise like the gap between them and say the gap between us and indiana is probably not as big as you might think like th- those games are always i mean you see bowl games that kind of match up like that and they're always competitive because the, the talent gap isn't nearly as big as, you know, Clemson trotting out there against number 27, you know, Virginia Tech or something like that. That's a huge gap. You know, it, it's not as big of a gap. And you lose a game like that. You're not necessarily supposed to win every game on your schedule as Iowa, at, as Iowa State. And then you come back and you beat Oklahoma. Like that is that is resilience to me, and that's you're getting up for big games. Yeah, and this is a younger coach coming in here to liven up the program. And – I swear, I swear, swear to whatever you want me to swear to. The first people that start chirping about, oh, Michigan man, this. No, a Michigan, I don't care. I will adopt you as a Michigan man if you win football games and you beat Ohio State. It's the dumbest thing. I didn't go to Michigan. You didn't go to Michigan. We grew up Michigan fans. We love the program. We bleed maize and blue. I went to University of Colorado and I, I loved going there. I wanted to get out of Michigan, didn't want to go to that school. Like, it, it doesn't matter where you went to school. That's the dumbest thing. If Again, if you win, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Just win games. Now, people in Alabama were like, oh, you know, Nick Saban, where are these ties from? Or, oh, where are your ties from here? It's like, do you think the Patriots care that Bill Belichick went to God knows wherever? No, it doesn't matter. You win games. You... <laughs> it's stupid. You, the only reason you care about where they came from is their recruiting footprint. Yeah, uh, Ed Orgeron went to LSU for two weeks and left the school because he was homesick and finished up at Northwestern State. Do you think they cared when they had one of the best college football teams of all time last year? Ed Orgeron is essentially like a meaningful statue. I don't think that he actually does anything as a coach. They just like look at him, rub his head, and get inspired by him. I don't know. That man could get you ready to run through anything, and I'll give him credit to that and to hiring people because he knew what he was looking for. And plus, right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of what I'm saying. I don't yeah. think he himself is teaching anybody anything that's winning games. I think he's just a figurehead. Oh, but sometimes you just need that administrator. Sweet. Then hire Charles Woodson and get a dope staff. If that- <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm fine with this. If this gives us the best, one of the best college football teams and offenses of all time, yeah, let's sign me up. It would be ludicrous, and it's completely out of left field, but yeah, 
I mean, if that's what it takes, because I don't necessarily know that Ed Ogeron is some great coach. I mean, Deion Sanders just got a head coaching job somewhere. The man's never coached a minute. Yeah, but he's like coaching it like lost in the woods, Missouri or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, so he's coaching. This. Ed Ogeron won a title with LSU. So come on, a little, a little different. Yeah, all right, all right. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, so right now, uh, football team activities are suspended as we record this on a Tuesday night. We have no idea if they're going to play the Maryland game. I don't think anyone really cares if they do or don't outside <laughs> of the program. Um, but this is your last chance for a win, and you brought this up off air. The last chance to get a win at the Big House. They would be the first team in the history of the Big House to not win one game there. And if it was game doesn't happen or we don't win. The big house was constructed in 1927. Herbert Hoover was president. <laughs> you all remember that, right? Oh no. Everyone that was alive for that administration is dead. Yeah. So that's what it would be. I mean, if you were born in that year, you would be what? 90 now. If you were born in 1927, no, sorry. 93. There you go. I was going to say, yeah, that should be pretty easy math. I'm trying to block uh, out everything else. You know, I'm not thinking clearly football look, math. Wait, it's been a while since we're asked that anything other than what's the score going to be after this next drive. <laughs> it's been so that came so long ago. They still called math arithmetic. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure at that point, like Japan hadn't even begun to industrialize. Like they didn't even have like yeah. machine guns or like advanced warships. Yeah. It's like at that time, the big house sat like six. <laughs> We're going to do a podcast this offseason of all the things that were happening. The movies that were number one in theater last time Michigan was this bad. <laughs> it's the great train robbery. I, I didn't. I had no idea that in year six of Jim Harbaugh, it could somehow be worse than year one of Rich Rodriguez. Yeah, it is. It is worse because year one of Rich Rodriguez, you were willing to take that that year of lameness. You're like, yeah, it's going to be a rough year as he gets his guys in. But how in year six? Can it possibly be this bad? We were trying to get onto the, the point here, but yet we just got back to hating on the Jim Harbaugh and how sad we are. I, thought you were I was trying to get us on task. We're just going to sob into dish towels because so that was the other option. It was either us rant about it or sob into dish towels. 1927 is how long the big house has been there. And no team has ever just gone winless. And I get it's a COVID year. So there's a few less opportunities, but come on. It should never happen. No, this is it should never it should never happen. And how could you like defend yourself with all these ridiculous claims if you if that's the type of history that's labeled uh, like on you? I mean, you came here to be the savior and you would end up giving it maybe its biggest stain. Oh, man, what a sentence. <laughs> Thanks. Every that, now and again. That was that. Yeah. So speaking of that, if the game is played this weekend, how do you think it plays out? Who do you think wins? Well, Loxley's going to really want to put it on Gaddis, even though, you know, Gaddis doesn't coach the defense, but he'll have to put it on Don Brown, and I don't think that's that difficult to do. Obviously, anyone that plays us is going to be able to score. Uh, Quiddy Pay came in last week and, and, and was impactful, but he's just one guy on that defensive line. Jamon Green looked improved. Vincent Gray has gotten slightly better the past two weeks. It's still not great. Um, I think Taylor Upshaw had a sack trying to think of good things to make me think this defense might be improved. Um, yeah, if, if the defense comes out and, you know, takes another step forward like they did last week, Maryland's not as talented as a team as Penn State. I know Penn State was 0-5 coming into that game, but talent-wise, Penn State is still leagues above Maryland, so you should still have the talent edge here. Um, 
if Cade McNamara can play, we can win this game. If Cade McNamara can't, I I like Maryland to to upset us here. I don't even know what the line is, but the line's just a sad face. <laughs> yeah, there is no on Bavada. It's literally just like a steaming pile of poop with flies circling. That's all it is. Uh, I'm with you. If Cade McNamara's arm is reattached, um, then Michigan will be able to at least score in this game. But if not, it could be bad. It could be. It could 30 be rushes for Haskins. Yeah, and Haskins is just going to pound the rock behind him, an unmotivated offensive line as he just cuts left, cuts right, just does whatever he can. Receivers make occasional plays whenever they can get the ball past eight yards. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Michigan finishes the year winless at the big house if it's played. They lose to Maryland 27-24. Yeah, I'm having trouble thinking of a way that, you know, or a reason why I should favor Michigan in this game. I haven't seen anything that makes me believe they're going to turn it on. So uh, I think that we we drop this one uh, 31-24. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what to say. Finish the year with two wins, winless in the big house. Uh, drop one to Ohio State, then that puts you with a play-in game against either Maryland again or maybe Minnesota again, something like that, who, you know, it's going to be a coin flip. Yeah. And then does everyone get into a bowl game this year? <laughs> I hope not. To? They they canceled the Sun Bowl this year for the first time since its inception in 1935. So at this rate, there's only going to be like three bowl games. I don't think we're getting in. <laughs> If I mean, I'm always a pro bowl, go- bowl game guy because it gets some young guys a lot of extra reps and our offensive line could use it. I mean, we're going to be trotting out a bunch of new guys again next year. So I'd be fine in that regard. Um, and it gives you like some more time to figure out the coaching situation. So I hope we do make a bowl game. But literally, we may have seen our last win for this Michigan program this year. And that's the fact that we're saying that in year six with one of the most talented rosters that you've seen at Michigan in a long time is truly damning and depressing. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel good, but hopefully we can all be warmed up with a, you know, the suit man coming soon. I was hoping for a better segue than that, but I have nothing left creatively. It is the soup man, the soup man cometh and I'm here for it. My friend, pull out the spoons. Just give us whatever you can. Just keep JJ McCarthy committed. That's all I ask. Got to keep McCarthy committed and keep as much of that recruiting class in uh, in tow as you can. That's why you announce right before the Ohio State game. That's the time. Yep. We believe we embrace McCarthyism on this podcast as long as it pertains to JJ. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, in the meantime, uh, Michigan versus Ball State, the results of that will already be in by the time this podcast is out. But make sure that you're paying attention to that because we got a real chance to be good there and we can lift your spirits get a new coach going into the offseason i'm already starting to spin the optimism because eventually that's where we like to end up hide your dish towels baby we're coming back we're coming back eventually baby i'm telling you right now oh Oh. it's 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 close man optimism's coming good things are coming Good things are coming indeed. Um, Make sure that you tune in to Maize and Brew for all of your basketball and football coverage. Like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, wherever. Follow us on Twitter at Maize and Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.